Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chris Ranks the Universe, the CKCC radio miniseries, popping up every now and again, mostly when I feel like it, where I rank literally anything and everything that I feel like. In fact, the only other time I've done this show so far was to rank all 58 Disney Animation Studio movies, and that was a six-part series that aired earlier this year. This episode, however, is only going to take us one part to get through because we're going to talk about one season of a television show. So, and I want to kind of do more episodes like this in the future with TV shows. So you guys tell me how you like this one, and we can certainly tackle that in the future. To join me in today's ranking project, I've invited two guests to, on the roundtable here, both of them experts in their respective field, that being podcasting, of course. First off, I'd like to welcome to Chris Ranks the Universe, my podcasting partner of the last going on eight years next May. He joins me every week on the Nerd Table, as well as the Stupid Sexy Podcast. And if you're a patron at patron.com slash club kayfabe, you can hear us every week on VIP Wrestle Talk. Please say hi to Dan Peck. This is the way. Indeed. And since we're going to be covering a television show, I need an expert in binging television shows. So please welcome to Chris Ranks the Universe, the main member of the clan, the cult, whatever they want to call themselves this week, from the Bored to Death binge cast and Bored to Death ramble cast and whatever else he feels like doing that week, please welcome patron and friend of the show, Jay Winger. Thank you very much. I like to think of myself as the binge czar. Ooh, the binge czar. That's, the... That's a title. I like that. We're going to we're going to stick with that. The binge czar. And I like to and I generally do refer to us as the bored to death clan. Yes, I I thought I heard so. I thought I heard cult one week and I kind of like that too, but I don't think I've ever used I don't think I ever used that. You might have used it yourself, but hey, whatever. Headcanon accepted. Uh, clan there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, but yeah, uh, yeah, Mandalorian, man. Mandalorian, yeah. So, so, gentlemen, what have you guys been thinking of this show so far? Because I know both of you have seen both seasons. We're only going to talk about one season, but I know you guys have seen everything. What's your thoughts on this, yep. this brand new live action television series from Star Wars? Well, as I've been saying on the Mando, on the Bored to Death Mando cast that we've been doing this season, uh, I really exactly what Star Wars needed to sort of wash the taste of the sequel trilogy out of people's mouths because sequel trilogy, whatever you might think of it, wasn't exactly what people were hoping for. Whereas The Mandalorian is like a love letter to the, to Star Wars fans. Right. W without being an obvious love letter either. It's still telling a right. great story. Right. And you don't need to be a Star Wars fan to appreciate the series. They, you know, you don't, yeah, they drop references to stuff that the fans will, you know, lose their minds over. But uh, if you are a casual fan of Star Wars that doesn't necessarily understand the references that they're throwing out there, you still get what they're saying. You still you still pick up on through context on the significance of stuff. Agreed. What do you think, Dan? Very... You're not the biggest Star Wars fanatic on the planet, but I know you are a fan of the series as a whole, and I, I 
I think you you've even said that this is one of the best things you've seen coming out of Star Wars. Yeah, this is the best Star Wars thing. Now, Dan and I have talked in the past about openly defending the prequels because, as I've said, Star Wars is kind of like pizza. Even when it's not great, it's still good. Pizza and sex, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to put it. Yeah. So, like, yeah, even when the thing, even when it's not the greatest thing in the world, like, I mean, the only truly bad thing that Star Wars really ever did was that infamous holiday special. And everybody agrees that that's not good, but people still have that fond, nostalgic memory of just watching it because it's so bad, because it's affiliated with Star Wars. Right. And and I think that's the thing is like, did, did the Phantom Menace really suck that badly or are we just programmed to think of it because the internet made it that way? You know what I mean? It's one of those situations. Like, you can pick it apart, but if you compare it to the rest of the film world, you're going to find way worse than Phantom Menace. So listen to what Dave Filoni has to say about the prequels. <laughs> I mean, the pre- yeah, um, the prequels had had their flaws also. and uh, But... I generally find still am entertained by them, but I recognize that they are not not to the same quality as the original trilogy, you know. And I think it's just uh, there were some some decisions that were made in in this in the writing and uh, crafting everything that just didn't sit very well with people. The character of Jar Jar Binks, for example, right? Not uh, yeah, but that can also um, be blamed on George Lucas wanting to insist on appealing to the the children and right. really thinking that his sense of humor was the right way to go. And you know, these are the only ones that were actively directed by George Lucas, and I think that that shows. Yeah, and it's the same thing where you can say like, I I never once blamed. Hayden Christensen or Natalie Portman for their wooden performances and the the awkward chemistry that they didn't have because I know they're good actors because I've seen them in other stuff and I right. think and an actor's only as good as the direction that they're given you know if 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 he does a subpar performance and Lucas thinks it's good well then guess what you're getting in the final cut that you're that's what you're getting it's kind of like when right. I saw Robert Pattinson in something for the first time that wasn't Twilight. And I'm like, this guy's actually a really good actor. Man, That whoever was directing those movies really just didn't know what the hell they were well, doing. Also, the writing for those movies were awful, too. Well, yeah, exactly. What just well, like, consider, the, like consider the source material. <laughs> consider the source material in the case of Twilight. But yeah. Fan- yeah, Star-, Star Wars Episode One: New Moon. Like... Oh God! <laughs> like I, I get, I totally, totally get it. Like, and yeah, obviously, I don't think Kristen Stewart's a good actress. I've seen her in other things where she's better, but some somehow I think that's kind of just her. But I think that's right. that's a big th- like. I mean, I think Samuel L. Jackson is the perfect example. Watch his performance in something like even Revenge of the Sith, the one where he's featured the most prominently. Watch his performance, the way he delivers dialogue the way he emotes in scenes, and then go watch him in anything else, whether it's Nick Fury or Pulp Fiction or uh, even Snakes on a Plane, right? Like, 
Watch him in anything else and tell me that that's not the director that's making the mistake there. Yeah. So I, I think we can generally agree that uh, that Star Wars has definitely had its flaws. And e- even when you do it, like I did enjoy the sequel movies, although I 100% notice what's wrong with them. But I also enjoyed the prequels, despite noticing what's wrong with them. Except really for Revenge of the Sith, which I think thought was excellent. So, I, mm-hmm. I think what it basically boils down to is, you know, Star Wars kind of fell into a point where everybody wanted the original trilogy because that's what everybody grew up with who initially became a Star Wars fan. They weren't getting what they wanted. They weren't really sure how to react to stuff. And then along comes... The Mandalorian, which, like you said, was a a love letter to the fans, and it just, it blew everybody away. I don't know anybody who, who heard that, uh, who's watched Mandalorian and has said anything negative about it. Like, yeah, it's got moments where people are like, I didn't like that part, but nobody's really saying anything bad about it. Everybody's either, it's either... I liked it all the way up to it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Right. So, like... Yeah. So so you know that they're doing something right. And after watching the Clone Wars TV series, which Dan and I just watched recently for the first time, um, I would say that Dave Filoni absolutely knew what he was doing in getting Star Wars to be... to be Star Wars. And then... Once John Favreau got involved, and we saw what he did with the MCU. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what whatever your opinion of the movie Elf is, you can't argue that he created a modern Christmas classic and did it his way. And now here you have the Mandalorian. So you put these guys together, and then they they brought in these wonderful directors too to do these episodes. And, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, yeah. Carl Weathers, and Robert Rodriguez did an episode in season two. Yes, yes, he did. And I believe he's going to be involved with, uh, which show did I just see he's going to be involved with? Was it Book of Fett? B- the Book of Boba Fett? Book I of wouldn't Bo- be surprised. The Book, of, Book of Boba Fett seems like it would be straight up his alley. The Book of Mormon, right. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I, I think it's just been phenomenal. So what we're going to do, guys, is I've taken the first season, and I've ranked all eight chapters from worst to best. Uh, but let's also specify here. I've ranked the first season from least good to most good, is what I should say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put it that way, because season, Man- <laughs> yes, season one of Mandalorian does not have a bad episode. It has, in fact, I actually split it into three parts. It has three episodes that I thought were good. Two episodes that I thought were very good, and three episodes that I thought were phenomenal. So even when I talk about these first three episodes, I did not hate them. I just thought that they were good. Right. That is some. That is an important thing to to quantify when <laughs> talking Star Wars. Because let's face it, Star Wars fans are. I don't want to say the worst, but uh, they have they are very opinionated and not shy of letting you know that they are displeased. Right. And, and, and I can understand some of it because I understand yeah. all that extended universe material that they loved suddenly becoming non-canon. So I do get it. 
And I understand the sequels weren't the same story and didn't live up to their expectations. But there's a difference between the disappointment factor and then just flat out ripping apart something you love. And being part of several fandoms like Pro Wrestling and Rick and Morty, where I see that happening all the time, uh, Star Wars might actually be one of the worst ones. Mm -hmm. There's a very, I think Dan and I have talked about this before, there's a very real stereotype out there that the fans believe that they own it. So they should be getting exactly what they want and nothing else in any creative mindset is uh, is acceptable to them. And I, I think we've had that conversation before, Dan, because I think you're the one that actually turned me on to some of those message boards where they're like, oh, they've said this. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's so yeah. what more can you really say about Star Wars fans? But. I mean, I think the the big issue is that the movies are blockbusters and they're made by Disney, whereas these shows have a lot more creative freedom because they're just on the internet. And that, you know, that's that's a good point, too. They're not... Because they don't have a ton of crazy special effects for a big screen in this show. They focused on the storytelling, and look what happens when they focused on the storytelling. They they blew everybody away, so. Yep. They're also turning this around in a year, <laughs> whereas the movies were like two, three years. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this, so just so everybody knows, if you've never heard an episode of Chris Ranks the Universe before, the list is mine and mine alone. Dan and Jay take no heat for anything that's on the list. Regardless of where it is, I take all the heat if you do not like where I position something. Kind of like the Disney ranking where Black Cauldron was near the bottom, and I know that 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 aggravated some people. But it wasn't Mark's fault, and it wasn't Jeff's fault. It was mine. So don't don't send them any hate mail. The movie that almost ended the animation studio? Yeah, that would be the one. (laughs) But... (laughs) Well, like, yeah, because everybody remembers the villain being so scary, and I'm like, but the rest of the movie sucked. <laughs> and the villain also wasn't that scary. He was scary looking. It's kind. He's, he's kind of like Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. He was scary looking, but he didn't do anything. I mean, he's, he's just standing here menacingly. Powerful <laughs> Jedi of all time. I mean, he's so powerful, he was able to live on as a separate entity within the Force. Yeah. Well, Darth Maul becomes a much more interesting character when we flesh out the expanded stuff. Oh, yeah, when Clone Wars and Rebels. Well, it's kind of like Boba Fett. Yeah, I, right? haven't, I haven't ran into him in Rebels yet, but I know things. You know he's there because he's in the friggin' poster for it, so. <clears throat> All, right, so what All I'll I do... know is there's a time where he just screams Kenobi as he's in the middle of it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the episode... <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the voice acting part of that because he's so good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sam Witwer did a fantastic job. So what I'm going to do is I'll let's start the ranking here now. Of course, wherever you guys you guys can chime in if you want to say where it would be on your list, if you want to agree or disagree or have a discussion about it, whatever you guys want to do is fine. Um, it, this is what we're here for. It's a, it's a, this is a roundtable discussion show is what the show is. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to start with number eight on the list. Um, the, the 
first two items we're going to talk about here, the first two episodes, I could almost kind of interchange them as which one I thought was the least good. Um, and I'll tell you why I picked this one to go on the bottom as opposed to the next one. But I'm going to start with Chapter 2, which is literally called The Child. It's the flesh-out episode where we get to kind of meet more of this kid that we just met at the very, very end of Chapter 1. We know that it's uh, it's the same species as Yoda, which is how he got the baby Yoda name. We know that Mando decided not to execute him. Now he's just kind of taken him through the desert here on this uh, this planet. And forgive me, I forget what planet Quill's planet is. I don't remember the actual name. I don't know that they specified necessarily in the show. I think it's in some supplementary material, but I don't think they okay. gave it a name. I don't have it on the very, very tip of my tongue here. I'll look at the episode trivia in a second and maybe see if it's there. But uh, this is an episode that mostly focuses on Mando going on a side quest. This is a side quest episode, which is specifically why I put it at the bottom, because it doesn't advance a lot of the story um, like the next episode we're going to talk about does, even though it's kind of in the same boat, too. Mostly, this is just... The Jawas ransacked my ship, and I can't get my parts back unless I get them an egg. And then they ate the egg. And that part alone earns it bottom of the list material. But the reason why I say this is not a bad episode, and it's always the uh, the not good stuff, is because we really get to meet Quill in this one, with Nick Nolte yep. as the uh, performer here. And I like the Honest trailer where it says, it's the new talk to the hand. I have spoken. I have spoken. And that's like the truest damn thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't seen the honest trailer thing, but yeah, yes, that is, is that is very much talk to the hand of the also, Star Wars. Also, also a big thing about the honest trailer is that Mando has to be a racial slur. Yeah. Hey yeah. Mando. <laughs> Mando. So I do have that the name of the planet. It's Arvella Seven. And yes, so it's not even a name, up. that's just the, of the Arvellus cluster, it's planet number seven. Number seven, yeah, it's Arvella planet number seven. And native Jawas <laughs> on this planet have red eyes as opposed to yellow. But do they still uh, say, Houdini? <laughs> yeah, well, that's how you could tell that they were Jawas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the whole thing is a fetch quest, obviously, so it's not the most interesting episode in the world because yeah, it's, but it's cool because he fights a big fucking thing well yeah he fights, fights and, then a the space baby, and then the baby is like space i got powers bitch and of course well that was the big reveal was that we realized the baby is force sensitive there's a couple of hints about it earlier on where it looks like he's about to do something and mando stops him but then he finally get to that point where he actually uses the force and saves him and Mando gets his, his stuff back and flies away. The Razor Crest, which is a really cool name for a ship, too. Mm -hmm. um, I will try, and I'll, I'll say this now, we're going to try not to spoil anything big from Season 2. Right. This time, but we're going to do another Chris Ranks the Universe in a little bit where we will talk about Season 2. Um, but I will say that... Uh, the Razor Crest itself is one of the coolest names for ships that they've put in Star Wars. It's up, you know, like Millennium Falcon, Razor Crest. They're just cool names. Yeah, and I I appreciate that having the uh, the ships come back with the the great names, names like Slave One, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> which is an awesome ship. 
it is an awesome ship because it's like flies sideways and upright. <laughs> and it's armed to the teeth. Yes, it is. <laughs> As a proper Mandalorian ship should be. <laughs> so yeah, that's my only real complaint about this episode is that it was a it was a drag affair side quest. That's actually the only complaint I have. We get we get yeah. lot, we get a lot of queel. We get more connection with what Mandalorian actually is, how it's a creed and weapons are part of it and everything. And he's insistent on weapons are my religion. <laughs> exactly. It's a good way of wording it. And uh, and we get to see the baby use the force for the first time. And there is some good action in it. I do really like the scene where he's trying to take out the sand crawler and they're about when he's trying to learn to, to ride the thing. Oh, yeah. The uh, the the what the hell are they called? Blargs. Blurg. The blurg, well, the, the, yeah. bl- the, the blurg writing was actually in chapter one, not chapter two. But it's still cool, though. Oh yeah, yes. What's his problem? Well, first of all, this one's a female. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> well, how do you know it's a female? Does somebody go out in the park and lift up all the blurg skirts? Did you just uh, assume? It's, did you just assume the blurg's gender? No, that one doesn't shut up. <laughs> 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 I like I like how you glossed over my Jurassic Park reference and just went full on sexism. Well done, well done. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Thanks, thanks. Thank you, thank you. So that's okay. the reason why I, I that's, put this. Uh, one. Why I'm here. Yeah, that's uh, actually my my best reason for putting this episode last. <laughs> but again, I'm putting it eight out of eight of quality stuff. So it's not like being last is actually a dishonor for any of the episodes here. So, Chris hates this episode. <laughs> Thanks. Welcome to Chris Hates the Universe. <laughs> no, it's ranks, damn it. Damn hates it. Hates the Star Wars universe. Yes, because the universe does rank. I like how I well, just... De- yes, I just yeah. defended everything, including the sequel trilogy, and but no, I hate Star Wars. You hate Star Wars. <laughs> that would be what would be in the comments too on a- any of these videos with Star Wars. Fans. Yeah, I do this hate. I do hate a lot of the Star Wars fandom. I'll throw that out there. <laughs> so, right, and with generally with good reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's the only reason I, I put this one low on the list. And like I said, it's kind of interchangeable with our next episode, and that one is Chapter Four, which is called Sanctuary. This is the episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard that introduces us to Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune. Um, This is actually the least popular episode of the series from season one in the general fandom. And I I, I think a lot of the reason why is because Gina Carano is a lot of steak and a little less sizzle. She's not a great actress. She doesn't have the best performance range. That's something that the Honest Trailer actually picked up on that I had originally thought of. But then hearing them say it kind of slaps you in the face with it. You're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of why I feel that way. Because she's got less range than the guy in the helmet. (laughs) She's still a badass fighter, but I've seen a lot of complaints about that. You know, take account Gina Carano's personal beliefs out of the picture. There are still justifiable complaints that she's not a great actress. And... You know what? That is what it is. Not everyone's going to like everything, and I understand that. Um, other than that, I think I th- I'm not 100% sure why this one's the least popular episode, 
But I think the general consensus is that it is another side quest. But unlike Chapter 2, which only gets him his ship back, this one actually it advances why he has to keep the kid close to him. Yeah. I think another reason it might be uh, less popular than some of the others is because it is essentially a rehash of a plot of the Seven Samurai plot, which they'd already done in an episode of Clone Wars. That's true. You're right about that. They did do that. I mean, it's a classic. I mean, yeah. like It is a classic. It is a classic story. But if that's going to that... be the fans' complaint, then you're going to have to discount a lot of the original trilogy. Uh, you're going exactly. to discount every single thing in Star Wars, period. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's, it's all yes. Westerns and Japanese samurai stuff. Exactly. Mixed together, so... Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah they... It, it is very derivative of a lot of stuff, Star Wars, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. It makes it, it takes it, makes it, it puts its own unique spin on it, and it's and it's still it's still entertaining. I agree. This is the Bryce Dallas Howard episode. Yes. yes. This episode. Um, um, what yep. if the people in the town were only good at sewing? Oh well, then, then it'd be a Three Amigos reference. <laughs> There you go. I'm waiting for that. Waiting for that to be a, a part of a season three episode now. <laughs> well, now it will be. If Bryce Dallas Howard's listening to this, then she might. You might just give it her next. No, 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 no not not just Bryce Dallas Howard. You need to make sure that Dave Filoni and John Favreau are listening, so that they can so they can pilfer ideas. You know from I'll I'll direct it. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure if she came to them with an actual idea that they liked, they would probably go for it. I mean, this they, is true. Didn't they bring in all these directors because they actually understood and appreciated Star Wars? Like, that's why they're all here. Um, yep. By the way, uh, quick, just a fun, quick little trivia note. Omera, the head of the village that they're protecting, uh -huh. was in Twilight. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there when I was researching <laughs> the actresses. Her her top credit is is a Twilight movie. So, and for you Twihards listening, she was Leah Clearwater. Twihards, Julia Jones. <laughs> yes, Julia Jones is the actress's name. Um, the other reason I put this one above Chapter Two is because it's funny. It has funnier moments, like the standoff mm -hmm. between Din Djarin and Cara Dune. That ends in the gun stalemate, and then they just both look over while the baby's slurping soup. Yep. <laughs> or the the baby eating the frog in front of the kids, and them just giggling and cheering him on, and then he realizes oh, it's gross. poisonous. It wasn't so much that they were cheering him on as they were like, "Ew, gross!" And baby's like, "Oh, that." Yeah. Gets <laughs> oh. it out. Well, he already ate a frog in chapter two, so. Yeah, this is true. But yeah. um... And I also rank this one a little higher because it has that moment at the end when you're like, oh, he's going to – I'm going to leave the kid here to protect him. And then he realizes that's just not an option as long as the bounty's out there. So he's like, nope, I yep. have to. I have to hold on to him. As long as he's got these bounties on him and these trackers, then I have to look after him. And and he does. You know, we don't we yep. don't have that deep connection with Mandalorian culture just yet about the foundling stuff, but – it also speaks to that connection that they end up developing. So on that aspect alone, I'll put this one a little bit higher. Also, I would say that the action sequence of them fighting the ATST is better than him versing versus the Jawas. There's more at stake here. Yeah. And the Jawas is just like, you took my stuff. In this yeah. case, it's like, 
you, you know, you're going to wipe out this, this village. So. Yeah, you're gonna, not just that. It's like I am in this village. If it if it wins, then I'm dead too, and so is the kid. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that that's the that's the reason I put it higher. Again, I'm not 100 percent sure why it's cons- really very least popular kind of stuff, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. I think it's good. And maybe you know there might be other reasons that I'm just missing, but like I said, I enjoy it. And then the only other episode that I just consider to be good and not necessarily put any higher is uh, Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, which is the next one we're going to talk about. Number 6. Uh, uh, yes. And, uh, and the only reason, again, the only reason this one gets ranked low is just because it felt like an excuse to just go back to Tatooine. And I, I don't necessarily think the story had to take place on Tatooine. They could have used any planet, and they just did Tatooine to... I mean, obviously, well, we find out at the end there's a connection there, but... And I, yeah, and I think that's the main reason they put it on Tatooine, was to leave that, bread, that, uh, that plot thread to be picked up in Season 2. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get... All right, so I'll, I'll give that one to it, but... Um, again, this one's not very popular among the fans either, and I'm not really sure why, because I think that Fennec Shand is a great character, and we get mm-hmm. to see... Well, Ming-Na Wen is great. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, whether you guys know her from Marvel or from Mulan, I know her from Habit Heroes at Disney's Interventions. <laughs> so so I, I think that's my, my little shout-out to her there. We also have Amy Sedaris in this episode. Yes. And she's pretty funny. We get the freaking pit droids from the pod racing. I got a kick out of seeing them again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jabba the Hutt's old barge droid is now the cantina bartender, and they brought Mark Hamill in to voice it. So I can appreciate that stuff. And when we meet yeah. uh, Jake Cannavale's character, Toro Calican, yeah. he's sitting in the same seat that Han fried Greedo in. So you, yep. you got to appreciate the uh, the fan service there, but yeah, this is just, this is another one to introduce an important character, and I rank this one higher because it does introduce a much more important character that will come back. That's a uh, oh yes, and that's, yes, we're not sure who it is. Yeah, Spurs, <laughs> as uh, I saw a lot of people nickname the character until the the identity was confirmed in season two. Right. Well, everybody was also right about that. I mean, it's the, it was the same, the same sound. Although, uh, my Chris Chris Wellick, uh, one of my co-hosts on the in uh, in uh, binge cast and on the Mando cast, he wanted it to be Cad Bane from Clone Wars. Now yeah, that would cool. have been pretty cool. Hey, who knows? Maybe Cad Bane will turn up in the Book of Boba Fett. He might, which would be awesome. Which I mean, would be awesome. All we if know we is get that Cad Bane and Hondo. <laughs> Hondo, yes. I want Hondo in live action. Oh, Hondo is so cool. Yeah, those are some <laughs> characters we need to see cross over here. Well, we got like 20 new Star Wars shows coming in the next couple <laughs> years. True. So they got to show up. Especially what? if Filoni's in charge. Come on, man. What was Ventress's ultimate fate? 
Ventress. I'm trying to remember what she happened like to her. Leaves, like, in the, yeah, she, she, she leaves, but we don't... Ahsoka fight in that, like, one episode. Yeah, in the and last then, season. Like, yeah, once they realize it's she's okay now, she just leaves, right? Yeah, because she got, she got screwed. So, uh, she's kind of abandoning the dark side a little bit. Um, we don't and, know her ultimate fate. And either. almost everybody of her well, of her people are dead, too. Almost all of them. Right. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that could come back here. Um, but this is an... I think Asajj Fentress ended up dying, but I... Anyway, anyway. Well, kind of like kind of like the ultimate fate of Aura Singh. We don't see it, but then in Solo, they confirm that uh, friggin' Woody Harrelson killed her. <laughs> so, because he even says yeah. it. He's like, yeah, I killed Aura Singh. Like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> All right, well, then there you go. Well, at least we have that wrapped up. I don't know. We, I haven't seen it happen, but I know it happens. So yeah, there's a. This episode's important because while it is kind of a side quest, it's a very important side quest, and we do get some serious uh, foreshadowing to what's to come. Mm-hmm. But with because uh, because I was I was very suspect that Fennec wasn't dead because that's the only way they could have done that was to have someone approach her body. And you're like, you're not, it's not, it's not like you're not going to get a payoff for that. Right. So. So, yeah. And you know what? I liked Toro Calican because that's exactly what a young cocky bounty hunter would do. He's too influential. He's too easily influenced by everything else. So that's where he makes his ultimate mistake, which is what costs him his life. He tries too hard to he tries too hard to take too much at once and he pays the price for it. And I actually do appreciate that. Cuz that's that's he, how that's he, he yeah, Toro is Han but without the heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the brains. Well, I mean, Han Han is Han is is pretty crafty but he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. No, Chewie is, which is why Chewie's Tor- always Yes. Chewie's always kind of pulling him back down, but... Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, good... This is a... I I do enjoy this episode. Um, I I can understand fans kind of scoffing at the egg and the sanctuary. This one, I'm not 100% sure why it gets the hate that it gets, but it is what it is. But those are... That wraps up those three episodes, which are the... Just the good episodes. Nearly good, yeah. as opposed to very good or great. Exactly. The next two we're going to talk about are very good episodes. Very, very good. All right. Um, and we're going to go back to the beginning and talk about Chapter 1. the Our introduction to The Mandalorian, literally called The Mandalorian. And it almost mm-hmm. feels bad, because this is fifth place, so it is the bottom half of the list. And it almost feels weird putting it here, because it's just such a good episode. But there are four yes. episodes better than this one, which which speaks a lot about the uh, the quality here. This is our introduction to Mando. We see him bring in a bounty. We see him accepting his bounties, how he does it, how he does business. He meets Grief Kraga, or Karga, sorry. And he's got this, uh, this client, the client, Werner Herzog, which was brilliant casting. Werner Herzog, oh my god. Uh, that yes. was so great <laughs> to see him in that. Uh, I love his, his, you guys have both watched Parks and Rec. 
Yes. When he when he I have not actually. Oh, he has a great cameo in Parks and Rec where he sells Andy and April this really old, decrepit, haunted house. He's like, people do not like to come here because it is haunted. They're like, oh my god, I love this house, and they like just start making. They're so excited about buying it, they start making out in front of him, and he's just got that awkward Werner Herzog face as he's just watching this happen. <laughs> Werner Herzog is just so awesome in whatever he decides to act in. <laughs> he really is. I One of my favorite trivia pieces about the show as a whole is how, because he was never a Star Wars fan, he he mostly did it for the paycheck, but he appreciated what it was. And when he heard yes. that they were shooting scenes to CGI the baby, he friggin' yelled at them and called them cowards for not yes. trusting their own practical effects. So literally every time you see the baby, it's a practical effect because Werner Herzog yelled at them. <laughs> and that might be my favorite Mandalorian trivia in the whole show. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah, so we the whole thing is, uh, you know, Mando, he's, he's sick of this. He wants a high-profile target worth a lot of money. He's earned it so he can get his best scar and everything. He wants... He needs his armor upgraded. He doesn't have a jetpack yet, and that's the whole thing. Is all this Beskar he brings back? It's turned into this armor, and it's the most powerful armor in the galaxy. We learn later you can't even cut it with a lightsaber. It really yep. is that powerful. So he's going after what he all he knows is that it's a fifty-year-old client. That's the only thing we know about this target, and the whole thing is that. It's it's meeting Quill, getting to where he needs to go, having to work with a fellow bounty hunter, and then strike a deal with him just to survive. And it's an IG and it's unit. A droid, which yes. he hates droids. And he, yes. he absolutely hates droids. Which we learn in a future episode we will talk about soon. Yes, yes, yes. we do. Uh, this is IG-11. When I first saw him, I was like, I wonder if there, that's actually IG-88 until I heard that it was a different droid. Yeah. And I'm actually glad they did that. I didn't want them to just bring in another character. I like that they kept it as a different assassin. Droid. And it's Taika Waititi, so he's oh, that's my court. that's my yes. favorite though. And he's sarcastic <laughs> and he's funny. And he's uh, like he... me and Meek were on this job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh no, sorry, Meek's dead. Oh, the kids. Oh, the kids back again. He called me a dickhead. <laughs> Oh, I freaking love that. And he was like, piss off, ghost. Yeah, piss off, ghost. Piss off, piss off ghost. <clears throat> Alright, I cannot be captured. I must self-destruct. Would you stop with the self-destruct already? No, stop it. <laughs> uh, I freaking love that. So yeah, and then the the big the biggest reveal of them all is, of course, the uh the target is the actually baby. a baby. And it's a member it's of Yoda's Yep. That's how the like every single person watching it, I think, had the you know watching it blind, had the exact same reaction to seeing those those floppy green ears poking up over the blanket, and it was aww. It was the awe and the gasp of, oh my god, it's a baby Yoda. <laughs> but that's part of the appeal behind everything too, was that they yes. actually kept it a secret, and then you go, wow, well, because like. If Yoda talked about being 900 right before he died, then yeah, 50, he would still be a child, wouldn't he? Actually, people did the math. He was, pro you know, he 
Yoda was probably not nearly as old as uh, as old as that, but or at least at nine hundred years old, he wouldn't be in old age unless something's different about the aging process for his species. Who knows? I don't know. Well, Ahsoka Tano's species has a weird aging thing too. So, yes, this is true. But I think I've also heard a fan theory that the baby was kept hidden for so long that he failed to develop cognitive functions that he should already have. Mm, that, well, that's, that's the stuff that's... we'll talk about in the next episode when we talk about season two. Right, exactly. Yes. And that is a popular theory and I, one that I would definitely uh, buy into. But, uh, but he would definitely be behind. Yeah, this is a, this is a great pilot episode. It's a, it's a great introduction to back to live action Star Wars, we get to see. And you're just like, what the fuck at the end? And you're just like, oh wait, this show isn't a biz show. I gotta wait a week for the next. <laughs> <time."> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but I actually like that because I got up early every Friday. I got up a little early for work and uh, watched The Mandalorian before I got ready. That but was we my... didn't have Disney Plus until a week in, so I got to watch episodes one and two back to back. Nice. Well, there you go. I think I had to wait every week after that. Though, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but they yeah. they've got the species in there. Like they they throw in old species that we've seen. They introduce new characters. You know, we we get to see an Ugnaught again with Quill. We get to see the the assassin the IG assassin droids, the bounty droids, whatever you want to call them. So they this is the one where this. we see the uh, salacious crumb on a spit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> While another one of his species is watching, ah, uh, that was so funny. I actually laughed out loud at that. <laughs> oh, and, the, and that the payment is coming in the uh, the infamous ice cream maker. Yes. Well, that we don't we don't see that until uh, episode until uh, chapter three, but <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, like uh, he mentions specifically what it's called, and it's just the, ice cream maker that the guy is leaving Cloud City with. And they have a, and you start realizing how many people that they're utilizing for this, like Horatio Sands and Brian Posehn, and yeah, just because why not? <laughs> Come in for a day, put on a stormtrooper outfit. Yeah, Daniel. Say Craig. three lines, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. Daniel Craig is a stormtrooper because why not? Simon Pegg. Yeah, and he's the one that's doing the the, the infamous uh, interrogation scene. Exactly. What the heck? I thought I muted you. Anyway, sorry. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great introduction to The Mandalorian. Great episode. I think everybody mm-hmm. agrees. Um, and we'll go, we'll go to the top half of the list now. And we'll talk about uh, number four on the list is chapter three. This episode is called The Sin. And I put this one above chapter one for the simple fact that we get more Mandalorian expose out of it, and we get to actually see them really in action. Yep. Because this is the, uh, and this is the big deal, was he succeeded with his query, he turns it in, and he does not want this baby to go through anything. We don't realize the the foundling connection just yet, but that's what it is. He's, He's already got an attachment to the kid because the kid's a foundling just like him. Yep. You know, we're we're seeing these flashbacks where those uh, I I don't remember the name of the uh, Count Dooku's battle droids. 
Not, uh, not well, th- those are those are just like super battle droids yeah, uh, from like, the Separatist army. Right, right. But we see them just ransacking this village and murdering everybody. And his parents are able to hide him at the last possible minute. And when a droid rips open the doors and is going to shoot him, he gets saved by a Mandalorian, and that's how he becomes part of their culture. And we learn yep. all about the. Uh, I know between this one and the first episode, we really start to learn about this this culture, What, how important the Beskar is, how weapons are considered part of the creed about never taking the helmet off. And if you do, you can't put it back on. Like all this. This is the way. This is the way. All of this great, uh, th- this great um, expose, really. And Ex- exposition, I, I think, exposition. is what is what you meant. Sure, whatever. Words. Yeah, right. And I want to know. We 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 still don't know the ultimate fate of Emily Swallow's character, the armor. I think that's they've kind of left that one. Ambiguous. Oh, I, yeah, I, you know she's probably going to factor into season into season three with how season two ended, with regards to Mando yeah. and his position w- with regards to other. With uh, with regards to other Mandalorians, uh, I don't want to say any more because that's season two. We'll and save spoilers. that for season two, yeah. And just so you guys know, like I'm trying my best to avoid this, but if you're not fully caught up on season two, I'm not recommending you go too much further here because I can't. I may not be able to prevent certain things from coming out yes. and being said. So just just warning y'all. But yeah, I love. I love everything that they do in this episode and I love Mando's dedication to getting getting the baby back and breaking in there and taking out all these stormtroopers and he's like, Nope, kids coming with me. And he doesn't hurt the doctor because he realizes like the doctor is just he's kind of a pawn in all of this. Like he doesn't want to be working for the for them, but he's a really smart doctor guy and they took him yep. to do their shit. Well, that's kind of like uh, what happens in Rogue One, right? Because they got all these scientists working on this these weapons, and they're not. In a lot of cases, they're yeah. In a lot of cases, they're holding like the scientists' families hostage or something. Yeah, they're not. They're not bad guys. They're just they're being recruited by the Empire and being forced to do this stuff because of what they can do, and they have to do it, or you know they'll they'll be executed. Yep. So, I love the uh, I love the thing that's that's guarding the where the client is. It's the same one that Java has, and Mando just rips it out of the wall. Yeah, or however that whatever it says, you know, Ichuta, Ichuta. the little eye thing. I don't know what that means, but I think it means eat shit. (laughs) So, (laughs) certainly sounds like it. My my assumption, like. I like how uh, Poodoo became a, a swear word in Star Wars when it just means fodder, which is essentially food, but I think people associate it as shit because people don't know what fodder is. So, well, yeah, and when plus, you say they're going to be Bantha fodder, you're like, oh, they're going to eat you and going to shit you out. Yeah, I guess that's one. Yeah, I guess so. But and plus, the first, syllab- the first syllable is literally poo. Yeah. Poodoo. So it is funny when Sebulba screams it after he crashes his pod racer. Oh no! <laughs> I did get a kick out of that. There are some funny things in the prequels. Oh yeah, say. Sebulba always wins. The uh, until he doesn't. 
Uh, I bet every on Sebulba. <laughs> oh, no pod is worth two slaves. But yeah, this is a really, really good episode here. But who is the one that actually sinned this episode? Ah. Do we know? Well, it's it's very similar to uh, the season two episode, The Believer, where the title could apply to many different things. Right. Like, the Jedi didn't actually apply to who we met in the episode, but rather to the child itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who was the sinner? Well, maybe maybe that'll be up for the fans' interpretation. Maybe. Or it could just literally be meant to uh, to be applied to multiple uh, things. I mean, Mando's well, breaking Mando's breaking Creed by, and then the Creed itself breaks Creed to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, the, and then the and then the Empire. Well, enough said there. Well, the Empire sins all the time. We know that. Like I said, yeah. enough said. <laughs> perspective. Yeah, the from Empire's... a cer- from a certain point of view. A certain mm. point of view. Cue musical number. Thanks, Robot Chicken. <laughs> But yeah, this is a this is another great episode. And again, it, there's so much backstory and history with the Mandalorian culture that we get that it's just like I can't. Say and they it. don't and they don't waste a whole lot of time doing doing exposition for it. They just they give you a couple little lines and the behavior of everyone with regards to the this is the way and everybody just immediately like this is the way you know in in response. It's like you understand this is you know that's how this culture or exactly. this tribe works. Exactly. Less is more. You've got Less the is point more. across. There's no need to hark on it anymore. That's what man, that's what the series as a whole does so well. Is it doesn't have to give you these long expositions to explain stuff. They keep it as short as Max Fury wrote it. The better. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Sometimes you don't need a detailed exposition. Sometimes things are just there. John Wick, same way. Yeah, the John Wick movies are less is more as well when it comes to their world building. All you need. Hmm. It's a it's the wrestling rule that doesn't exist anymore. So. <laughs> so let's move on to the top three. These top three. are the podium finish. Yes. Well, these are well deserving of being on the top here. These are the phenomenal episodes. These are the the three. And of course, it's the last three chapters, which yeah, I'm yeah. Show, convenient. They're just the last three episodes. Yeah, the the uh, the show has a, a very good history of getting better as it goes along. Just getting yes. better, and, and better. you know what's good about that is because there's eight episodes. If it was longer, it yeah. would probably get bogged down too yeah. much with filler. You'd have Maybe more chances to mess up filler episodes. Oops. Exactly, more chances to mess up. This time, you're you're doing exactly what you needed to do. Um, so we're going to start with number three on my list. This is chapter seven, The Reckoning, which is part one of the two-part finale here. And like I said, this is about as friggin' good as it gets here. It actually does get better, but you wouldn't know that the first time you see this episode. Because <laughs> holy crap is this, especially the reveal of the villain and we get to see him for the first time. Giancarlo Esposito debuting as Moff Gideon. And oh, it's just, yeah. 
I remember when they first announced that he was going to be involved with the Mandalorian, I immediately went, he's the bad guy. I bet you he's the bad guy. And <laughs> sure enough, who else is, could he possibly be? Mm-hmm. And yeah, this this episode, this is another Deborah Chow episode, but it's absolutely fantastic because the entire episode is is all about getting him getting the baby basically getting the baby the hell out of there right it's well it's it's more like they were just trying to remove the client because at the time they only thought the client was the person they had to worry about uh yeah we didn't realize how get him out of get him out of the way and thus remove the bounty as a as a problem for the child and we saw how that worked out. Yep. But we get to see IG-11 again. This time he's now a nurse droid because Quill reprogrammed him, which is a great way to bring that character back and have it make sense. Grief card and, that ends and, up, we realize he's, he yeah, he's doing a job, but he's really not a bad guy. He's, you know, he does have respect enough for Mando and wants to be aligned with him. We see more Cara Dune in action. So this is the culmination of bringing everything together and setting up your final chapter. And they do a yep. fantastic job with it between the uh, the baby getting to show off his powers, Grief Karga showing he really isn't a bad guy by taking out his own men because there was a double a double cross and he thwarted it. And then but he gets fatally wounded. Yep. And then the, the and then we get to realize that those force powers that we already know exist <laughs> From the sequel trilogy, the healing abilities, we know that the child can also utilize it. Mm-hmm. So it's we, yeah, it was a great episode for, for that. An, for a show that has no real exposure to Jedi's or the Force at this time, they really do a great job bringing the Force into play and showing you what it can do, and then some. And that that scene at the end with uh. With the client going, I want to see the baby. Like, I would oh. like to see the baby. Oh, he's <laughs> he's sleeping, and you know Gideon is not falling for that at, at, at any capacity. And then, just to make you realize that Gideon's not just a bad guy, he is the bad guy. He executes the client and the stormtroopers just because he can. He even kills a guy just for interrupting him. <laughs> yeah um when uh zeke uh one of my other uh partners on the binge cast uh binged the mandalorian last week because he hadn't been watching it at all and i sat him down had him watch chapter one and i was like it's your decision from here on out. if you want to continue watching go right ahead if not cool and he got hooked and he had to stop watching uh for, he had to pause chapter eight when that line, it's like he just shot somebody for interrupting him, you know, came along, came up because he was, he was like dying laughing. <laughs> it's like when we had to pause the movie, my old friend in high school, we were watching Evil Dead 2 and the part where Ash's severed hand flips him off. We had to pause the movie because <laughs> we were laughing so hard. We also had to do that when we got him to watch the South Park movie for the first time and he got to the part where, how would you like to suck my balls, Mr. Garrison? I remember he friggin' died laughing at that. We had to turn, we had to pause the movie. So yeah, I, I've I've been in those positions before. And I killed my own men. 
The only reason this episode isn't as good as the, the last one is because this is the setup episode. So you're not getting the payoff yet, but you have to have the setup. And it's it's a great setup. It really he also is. has two troopers go down and track down Quill, who has the baby, and they kill oh, him and take the baby. That's such like a downer scene to end that episode with, too, when you just see his body laying there. And it cliffhanger. Very much. Like not only are they completely surrounded yeah. inside that building that's being destroyed, that also they have the baby. And we see some dark troopers in this one, although we're going to get even more of them in season two. Actually, I think those were just death troopers. Those weren't the full-on dark troopers that we got in, in uh, season oh, yeah, two. Death troopers. Okay. Yeah, but still. They, they, they were death troopers like the like, uh, famous troop carrier toy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we got to see the 501st uh, be extras in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't have enough costume, so they needed they needed a lot of stormtroopers, and I know where there's a lot of stormtroopers. There's a bunch and of they, fucking, and they even have their own armor. <laughs> I there's know. a bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah, it's yes, a... and <laughs> one of the best cliffhangers in television. Then you gotta go. I gotta wait till after Christmas for the next episode. Ah, because the thing is, like. You watch a, you watch a show like this. You know the good guys are going to come out on top, but the, but it's so great when you have absolutely no idea how. Right, that's part of the appeal. You might know the good guys are going to get out of it unscathed, but when you set them up in that place, you're like, I don't even know how they're going to get out of this one. Well, you don't know that they're going to get out unscathed. You know that they will win the day, but you don't know what the cost may be. Exactly. Well, unfortunately, the cost was Quill. Yes. And that's such a sad thing. Actually, he has spoke. the only part of this episode I don't really think I like was just the campfire stuff where it's like, well, let's have them get attacked just so we can show off the force power. And I'm like, okay, you probably could have waited to do that, but all right, we'll just, you had to get the force power in. So I'll, And I'll why you did you have to walk across, uh, across the lava flats and not uh, use a speeder, use a speeder? Plot holes. Yeah. Maybe maybe because, they had, yeah, because... maybe on that long trip over they had binge watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy and decided that walking was the way to go. Yeah, uh, the fires of Mount Doom. Yeah, but but yeah, good great episode. Great episode. Yes. Very good. Very so, very so good. So how can it possibly get better than this? Well, I still have two more episodes to talk about. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's talk about my penultimate episode, my silver medal for season 1. Chapter 6, The Prisoner, a.k.a. the one where we go straight up alien. <laughs> you think it's a heist, but no, it's fucking alien. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's a heist film that turns into a straight up horror film. Except, it's Die Hard on a spaceship. It really is. And can we just talk about Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfeld? <laughs> just yes. One of the best additions to Star Wars canon ever. And a guy that absolutely hated Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Put the gun down, Mando. See, it, it is a slur. <laughs> but this is another episode that also really shows off the Mandalorian's moral capacities. More than ever. 
because to to sum this one up, Mando is getting called in for a job to finish up what he's got to what he's got to do. This is the last side quest, so he can go fight the final boss, right? When yeah, he, completely- he needed he needed he needed the money to you know pay for pay for gas essentially yeah, and you know basic supplies. Yeah, exactly. So he. He goes to an old an old friend, and the guy's always been like the ask no questions thing. He's like, "We're gonna we're gonna do a heist. I got a team." Harvey Bullock from the Dark Knight. Prison Break, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and we've got Bill Burr is on the team. We've got this big asshole named Berg. Yeah, we that's have. A, what's his face? Yeah, uh, Clancy yeah, Berg, Brown. Um, uh, Clancy Brown. Yes, Clancy Brown. And uh, we have a droid named Zero Q nine Zero. Mm-hmm. Voiced by Richard Iowate. Yes, another great addition to the cast, and he's a sarcastic asshole in a bit too. And then we have Natalia Tina as Zion, the uh, the Twi'lek, the smart ass for Beyond, Yeah, Zion. Beyond. Is being weird in my sweet style. Yep. Whether she's a <laughs> uh, yep, oh, good old Nymphadora Tonks or yeah, Osha but... from Game of Thrones, and it was just really cool to see her. In, in the Star Wars fandom now, because she has done, you know, she's done so many and now stuff. She's an ugly Twilight, like what? I thought they were all hot. Nope. No, she's <laughs> the. Well, her brother's even uglier. But well, I mean, man. Well, the, yeah, most of the most of the Twi'leks you would have met have been like, literally like strippers, and right. they're not going to have the ugly ones be the strippers. <laughs> right. So the whole idea is we're going to take over this. We're gonna take over this rebel ship, right? There. Uh, what were they actually after? I'm trying to remember. They were trying to bust out Sion's uh, brother. That was the only thing. I thought there was. More that was there. the only thing. Okay, yeah. So they're just they're gonna they're gonna spring him. That's the whole idea. It's a prison ship. Uh, it's completely uninhabited except for droids. And you know how much. And one and that. one and one human one like actual living organic officer. Sort of right. like overseeing everything. Who, who we don't even know that there's a human on board, which is what the, uh, which is what a lot of Mando's, uh, his uh, his soul, his consciousness coming into play here. Because, I mean, the heist itself is great with the characters just working off each other and being smart asses. You know, why don't you ever take off that helmet? What are you a gungan under there? Like. That shit was. Is that funny. why you still don't want to show your face? <laughs> yeah, that shit was hysterical. Or, uh, or, or, or no, when he sees the baby and he looks, and he looks at Mando and Shion, it's like, did you two make that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, is that yours? Oh yeah, and, and Shion just constantly being a, a bitch to him. Oh, this is the way. Just always mocking him. Yeah, they do. It's like you could you can see the double cross coming a mile away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we all we all knew it was happening, and uh, what they didn't count on was that this is a crafty Mandalorian here. Yeah, they done messed up. Because when he when they double cross him and he breaks out and starts screwing with them, that's when it all goes down. <laughs> but the whole thing mm-hmm. is, you know, when they discover there's a human on the ship, Mando doesn't want to kill him, but they kill him anyway because they're like, "Well, we had to." And they're like, "You idiot! He's got a tracker on on it now." All these. X-Wings are going to show up and just blow this thing up. Now you got to get the hell off the ship. So it becomes a game of Among Us with yep. with Mando, Mando playing the role of the imposter. 
And the good guys, the, the good guys, the imposter, exactly. And he's sealing off the ship and sabotaging stuff, sabotage the lights, and, and the idea he's is he's like, turning horse. You're thinking that he's killing them the entire time, but at the end, it's revealed he's just throwing them all into a cell together. Right. In fact, the only actual casualty was zero. Uh, no, well, at the end, uh, Sion's brother gets blown up. Oh, when... yeah, well, well, yeah, that's the reveal. But, like, the casualty on for the crew, mate, is really just Zero. And that's just because, yep. uh, he's about to kill A, the baby. Yeah, and droid. Yes, exactly. Mando, do- Mando doesn't like droids. That's the best part, though, is you think he, when the baby's trying to use the Force against him and Mando shoots him and the baby looks at his hand like, did I do that? Did I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that part's pretty hysterical. But yeah, they uh, they do a fantastic job here. And I love the end where, uh, where's the rest of the crew? Hey, ask no questions, right? And then he gives them the tracker, and when the X-Wings show up, they blow up that ship instead. So. <laughs> yes. Plus, I love anyway, it. I'm just flies right by them. Yep. I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Plus, I and that was love. All the X-Men crew was all like the uh, directors and right. Stuff as they, yeah, as... Deborah Chow, uh, Rick Famu. I always I can't ever pronounce his last name. It's Famu Famuiwa. Famuiwa. Yeah, and of course Dave Filoni. And they, uh, yeah, they, they blow up the ship. And I remember that was like an in-joke was Dave Filoni was like, hey, you should just make us be the X-Wing pilots. And John Favreau was like, okay. Done. <laughs> yeah, done. Get up in this awkward contraption that we film. Sorry, sorry Dave, you're going to have to take your cowboy hat off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to change gimmicks for a second here, bud. And he does return in an episode as a, in season two as... The same, the same guy, yeah. Yeah, he's the same uh, guy. Trap, yeah, Trapper Wolf and uh, Carson Tiva. Right. They all have, because everybody's got a name here, so that's, they got a, so he, that there's some canon, there's some canon connections here. But yeah, the straight up alien thing with the lights flickering and Mando just getting closer. I mean, this it's episode. It's like in the shots of the hallways of like the weird angle and. Yeah, this oh, episode man. was very well done. It's. Uh, and Clancy Brown's Berg just, uh. You know, going ham on on that big ass droid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warning, whatever. They're like big devil people. And he, and he just great. giggles. Yeah, he shoots fire at him, and Berg's expression is there like, "Fire! I was born from this." Exactly. I'm the devil. You merely adopted the fire. I was born in it. Good God, it's so friggin'. Yeah, this whole episode is just absolutely fantastic. This is this is the best standalone episode in the season. Yes. Because the episode we're going to talk about at number one requires a setup. This one didn't need anything. This one is a standalone, brilliantly done, top to bottom, great cast, great reveals, uh, great plot twists, and and funny, and funny as hell. So, yeah, yeah. they did great job with this episode. If... If you want to watch an episode of The Mandalorian to just get a feel for how good the show is and you want a standalone episode, watch this and tell me you don't go back and watch the series from the beginning after watching this. There's no way somebody could watch this episode and then not go back and want to see more. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, so I like the, the exchange. Uh, 
where uh, Ranzar, the shifty guy, is telling Mando that Mayfeld was an Imperial uh, sharpshooter. Mando just goes, that's not saying much. And Mayfeld yeah. turns around and goes, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. Yeah, that's that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Uh, that was, yeah, that was some good stuff. Uh, just, I uh, love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. So let's go ahead and get to the number one on my list, what I believe was the best episode of season one. Uh, the internet seems to agree with me that this was yes. the best episode of season one. And that, of course, is the last chapter, chapter eight, Redemption, the payoff to the entire season. And it might be cheating mm-hmm. to say that the last episode is the best one, but sometimes that's where this is what it's all been leading to. And when the payoff is great, then you're going to have you're going to have the uh, the best episode above and beyond. A, se- a season finale is the climax of a season. It should be the best episode of the season. Correct. It should be. Well, what is this kind of show, right? Like this kind of a show, yeah, it, it should be. Yes. If it's more, if stuff is more episodic, you know, or just, you know, stand a lot more standalone stories, that's one thing. But when you have an overarching story, season finale needs to be the needs to be the climax. So the whole idea here is that Navarro is now under complete control of these stormtroopers because of Gideon's army advancement. And our heroes are completely trapped. We need to figure out how we're going to get out of this. And Gideon is just, he's playing a game of chess. He knows that he's not just going to burst in and take the kid because he already knows that there's more to more to the game than that. So he's going to try to play to all sides. He's going to try to get as much out of it as he can. Now, granted, that does end up costing him in the end. He probably should have killed them when he had the chance, but mm-hmm. but that's also part of the, the villainous flaw. Even everybody always makes that mistake, and if you can outsmart... You can outsmart the smartest guy, then, then yeah, you are going to get out of there, okay. But this is the big reveal about how he's a foundling, the um, how the other Mandalorians basically had to give everything up to escape with their lives. Maybe some of them didn't even make it, and the armor just, you know, she can handle herself. He gets the final piece of what he wants, which is the jetpack, and we get to see that in action. Yes. Yes. We get the, uh, we get him reunited with the baby. We get the the IG eleven sacrifice that means so much, along with the the funny moment where he does take his helmet off, which we knew we were going to get that before the season was yeah, out. Of course, it like his processor is is damaged or whatever. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> you mean my you brain? Mean, you mean my brain? That that was a joke. That was a joke. I meant to put you at your ease. Yeah, I said it to limit your discomfort or something like that. So, so here's the thing, right? Because it's called redemption, but is it really? It's about Mando seeing IG Eleven as more than just a murder bot. Yes. So it's actually IG Eleven who's being redeemed in the eyes of Mando. Exactly. That's the redemption. I know it's it. It, it just works so well for everything. <laughs> My absolute favorite scene is because uh, you know the bike scout troopers. One of them is Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, he's the one that hits baby Yoda. Yeah, he's fr- he's friggin' punching the baby. So immediately he's the most hated character in all of Star Wars. Oh even over God, Jar-Jar. yes. 
And then they do the target practice. That's the best. That is the best scene. That is the best scene. <laughs> They're trying to shoot yes. the can and they just missing. Oh, I was friggin' dying laughing at that. That was fantastic. Also, because because in Rebels they reveal that there are that there are no clones in the army anymore. If they are around anymore, they're just instructional to right. new troopers. So right. now you know everyone's been volunteer or voluntold, as we learned in the new trilogy. A lot of people have been voluntold to join stormtroopers. Exactly. As in yeah. the case of Finn. Yeah, it's oh, it's so great. The, the whole this whole episode is just it's the perfect climax. We get the epic battle. We get the the escape route in ways that make sense. You know, the sacrifice has to be done. Everything, and then we we just see that Moff Gideon, even though he's got all these people as command, we also see where his most dangerous quality is, in that. He'll get his own hands dirty to get what he wants. You know, mm-hmm. how easy is it? I mean, let's let's look back to a classic James Bond villain, old, uh, old Blofeld over here. He's got all his minions doing his dirty work. Does he very rarely actually come after Bond himself? But Gideon, Gideon gets right in that TIE fighter and goes for it. Mm-hmm. And... But- Bam! I got a jetpack now, bitch. He yep. shoots him down. He came, he came close. He came close to killing Mando twice. Once in the Tie Fighter, because honestly, you're in a Tie Fighter. How can somebody with just small arms fire generally stop you? But he also is the one who blew up the power pack for the big, uh, like Gatling gun laser thing, and knocked Mando on his ass. That explosion was the thing that almost killed him. Right. And if he until, didn't have that, until IG Eleven healed him. And if he didn't have that fancy new Beskar, he probably would have been dead. Yeah, that's the only reason he survived was because of the Beskar. Moff Gideon is is a very dangerous uh, opponent because he's yeah willing to get his hands dirty, very well informed. Because just yeah. like Gus Fring, he's friggin' cold. He's oh, also yeah. the biggest of fanatics because the Empire is dead. And he is still going about his normal business. Yep. Well, the Empire's dead, and it isn't. But yes, uh, well, he is we, we one ki- of the... We kind of learn at the very end why that is, because he's in possession of the Darksaber. Yes. So he's got even more power than he pretty much... Yeah, so we think he's dead, and then all of a sudden something comes out of the ship. <laughs> I remember... Yeah, us and... and you're like, oh my god! Actually, I hadn't seen uh, any of... Clone Wars yet? Yeah, but I knew. I had seen seen enough of Clone Wars at that point to understand the significance of the of the dark saber. I was like, no. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. Yeah, because I remember I you see you kind of see the edge of the blade. You're like, is that? And then you're like, oh god, it is. Yeah, it is. That's uh, yeah. This this vibro knife or something. And then suddenly the full thing, the full blade pokes out. I'm like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. yeah and i mean you even get the little the little moment at the end where uh he 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 gives quill a proper grave a proper burial just like dobby and they had yep and they had a couple of other uh things that were like they showed uh, the flashback for when mando was uh rescued by the mandalorians when yep. he was a child the flashback come full circle 
Yes, and it comes full circle as he flies off with his new jetpack with the with Baby Yoda in his arms. Yep, it's a it's like the uh, it's the scene transition. It's, yep, it's this is what happens to me, and now this is me, me doing the same thing, and and you know the armor even told him when she gave him his quest. You know, it's like you are a clan of two, right? And you now find his people. Yep, we have to. You want me to take him to some ancient wizards? This is the way. That our ancient enemy, Tri- a tribe of a tribe of enemy sorcerers. Yeah, this is the way, and that's this so, is the way. So not only and of we, course, not only do we wrap up the first season, but we know exactly where we're going in the second season. Yes, and that's what I love the most about this. I think uh, I think this is. A fantastic way to end season one of The Mandalorian was this episode. I, I really don't think we can do that. Yep. Be- like, I, I didn't think we could do better than that. But uh, And then season two happened. <laughs> and then season two happened, and I learned very quickly. Because I'll tell you guys right now, season two has eight episodes. One of them is not that great. The other seven are... Yes, right. <laughs> ...are beyond phenomenal, like... To, to degrees I can't even discuss. Uh, there might be one or two that I would put a little lower, but there's at least five that I can't even choose between. And you all know exactly which ones those are, too. <laughs> but yeah. We will return to another Chris Ranks the Universe. We'll do, uh, we'll do chapter two of Mando here. What I want to know from you guys in the comments is, do you like the idea of doing these ranking projects and doing seasons of television shows? Because this is something I've considered doing, and uh, I I actually did talk to Dan about doing this for a Stupid Sexy Podcast tie-in, but we were actually going to go back, revisit season one of The Simpsons, and do a full ranking of the episodes in order. Um, and then we would do that when we wrap up each season of The Simpsons. We could do a Chris Ranks the Universe for each season. And I, I think that got some pretty positive feedback from people I've talked to, so... But yeah, um... Overall thoughts on season one of The Mandalorian, now that we've talked about it. Dan, I'll start with you. What are your, coming out of watching the first season of The Mandalorian, what were your overall thoughts? I thought that it was the best work of, of, I guess, you know, television slash movie Star Wars work. And uh, it had me uh, really pumped for the upcoming Marvel shows, which are a year later, still not out. (laughs) <laughs> well COVID happened I think that probably delayed a lot it certainly did well, yeah. we are only three weeks away from the first show so please let's all just take a deep breath on January 15th we'll be, have WandaVision <laughs> starting so and maybe we'll there, maybe there will be another Chris Franks universe about WandaVision once we've seen the whole first season there um, yeah so let us know what you guys want if you guys want to see more of that I'll do that uh, Jay, I know you have talked about this on your show, so I don't want to—I don't want you to say too much here because I want people to go back and listen to those episodes. But, yes. but give me your thoughts overall on season one of Mando. Uh, well, yeah, season one of Mando was <clears throat> one of the things I, you know, and I've t- and I have talked about this a bit on on our Mando cast, but I like that it's more. Like lower down, as as it were, uh, in terms of, like 
uh, in terms of where the story is taking place. It's not sort of on a big galactic level. It's more, much more like almost locally focused, you know, and right. it's separate and it's separate from the Skywalker saga. You know, there's, and this is something that Zeke had actually uh, has actually said that he, one of the things that he likes about the Mandalorian is that it's not about the Jedi. Right. And I, I he is actually, that. he is actually not a very big fan of the Jedi in general, of Jedi in general. Well, he likes Star Wars, but not so much the Jedi. Well, I think that's and, the whole thing is when you have a universe like this where there's just so much more to it than just the Skywalker family drama. Exactly. And, I mean, it was really cool to see Clone Wars fleshed out like that to see even, you know, even the episodes that weren't all about uh, the Jedi, right? Like. It was it was right. cool to just see all that flesh out, and you realize there's there there really is a huge universe out there. There's so much more to it, it than anything else, and this is our first real chance to see something other than just the Jedi at the focal point. Well, also right. the funny thing about this yeah. show is 35 years post anybody knowing any Jedi even exist. That's true. True. Too. Right. Uh, like, and they even plus, like... <laughs> plus, this is you have an entire galaxy to play with. Let's not, you know, take us to other worlds besides just the same, the same, uh, same ones we always go to. Tat- Tatooine, yeah, we, we're we're apparently going to be going back to it in uh, Book of Boba Fett. I kind of, kind of wish that we we weren't because Tatooine just feels like we we're always going back there. Well, we same, don't always know like, where that's going to go either. This is true, but you know, uh, you know, show us other planets in the in the galaxy show us stuff that's what's going on in other parts of the galaxy while the war is going on some somewhere else you know there's plenty more stories that you could tell that doesn't have to just revolve around the same same cast of characters yeah and that's one of the things that i loved about the mandalorian is that it wasn't focusing on all, all the all the characters that that we knew already right and i appreciate the fact that they did get away from the jedi but because the Jedi are uh, are such a uh, an intricate part of this galaxy's lore, you know they mm. have to play in somehow, but they never got in the way. It was right. just that the baby was force sensitive. You know, <clears throat> baby, do the magic hand thing, right? Hey. <laughs> which um, might have yeah. which might have actually been the funniest scene in the uh, in the whole <laughs> in the whole first season. So, but yeah, they. Uh, it's it's incredible what they did, and I've I've gone on record as saying that I think the Mandalorian is the best thing Star Wars has produced since the original trilogy. And I remember that initially got me some heat because people were like, "But what the hell? But Rogue One was phenomenal." I said, "Did I say Rogue One wasn't phenomenal? No, I said Mandalorian was the best thing since Return of the Jedi." Does that that doesn't put down Rogue One in any capacity? What I'm saying is this is the best thing I've seen from Star Wars since I've seen the original trilogy. Right. That doesn't mean there was anything else bad. I loved Rogue One. I loved the Clone Wars TV show. I'm enjoying Rebels as I'm in the process of watching it. I know Dan's apparently mm. enjoying it. If he can watch 10 episodes in a day, he's got to be enjoying it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, hell, I, I, I liked and will defend the prequels and the sequel trilogy. Even the ones that I thought were weakest, Phantom Menace and Last Jedi, I can still find good things about them. I'm just saying that this is some of the best storytelling that I've seen because this is Star Wars the way 
that I feel like it was originally created. Storytelling, not special effects like the prequels, and not a jumble of... You can appease to the fans and still tell a great story, which is exactly what this one did. And I think that's where the sequel trilogy missed the mark. They were either trying too hard to tell a story and ignoring what the fans wanted, or they were giving the fans too much of what they wanted and sacrificing story in the process. Plus the whole fact that the three separate directors had different visions and those stories didn't connect. That's one thing I'll say about the prequels. The prequels knew where they were going. Their, half of their next movie undoing things that happened in the previous movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and this is something that I did. Uh, I commented on uh, when we were wrapping up the Mando cast uh, for season two. Is that the Mandalorian has given Star Wars fans hope again? Mm-hmm. This is a new hope. <laughs> there yep. you go. Uh, Aliens yeah. are built on hope. You know what? If uh, if if season one was a new hope, and season two was pretty much the Empire Strikes Back, was, you, you see where we're going with this, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we know there's going to be a season three. Season three it's Return of the Mando. Yep, we already know it's there. It's coming, and we're going to get that released with Book of Boba Fett. So yeah, uh, we'll do another Chris Ranks the Universe. We'll tackle Season 2, which we'll have a lot to talk about as well. I'm sure you guys would be more than happy to come back and talk about this. And I want to thank you guys for joining me on this. And if you guys have a topic you'd like us to discuss on Chris Ranks the Universe, I will rank anything if it's quantifiable, whether it's a season of a TV show, uh, a series of films. Like, I'm going to do every Star Wars movie at some point. I have to actually, I want to give them all the proper rewatch, but I've got a whole list of things. We're going to eventually tackle Pixar, the MCU, which Dan, like, volunteered for before I even announced it. (laughs) He made sure he was on board for that one. I'm all right with that. Uh, When the DCEU gets fleshed out a little bit, we'll probably do that one as well. You know, um, I want to do James Bond after the next new one comes out. I want to kind of do a retrospect on those. And there's there's so much to talk about and so much to tackle. So, uh, yeah, well, there'll be plenty of topics. And if you guys want to be on an episode of Chris Ranks the Universe, all you got to do is ask. If you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at omeliepodcasts at gmail.com or shoot me a message on any of the social media pages and follow us at CKCC Radio on all social media platforms. Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for joining me for this ranking episode of Mandalorian Season 1. Thanks for having me. And make sure you guys check out uh, the Board to Death Benchcast, where you can listen to Jay and his friends reviewing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I know recently they were tackling My Hero Academia. Yep, uh, we're going to be starting on Season 4 soon. And uh, I believe plans are this weekend. We are going to do another movie Benchcast, uh, but we do a current movie we're going to be tackling uh wonder woman 1984 awesome yes it's not even out yet yes which is why we're doing it this weekend (laughs) when it will be out well it's well we are recording this on december 22nd so yes and uh (laughs) and if you got and then make sure you guys check out uh dan and i every week uh the nerd table and the stupid sexy podcast for you simpsons fans out there we review every simpsons ever That wraps up Chris Ranks the Universe. Until next time, gentlemen, 
This is the way. This is the way.